depression, anxiety, talk about it with me. Strange brain, same page, safe place, therapy is great, and this ain't the same, but we're crying behind sunglasses anyway. Crying behind sunglasses. Hey, 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 Sunnies. Welcome back to Crying Behind Sunglasses, a mental health podcast for cool people. My name is Katie Dahl. I am your hostess with the mostess. And in case you're new around here, uh, just a quick disclaimer, I am not a doctor, just someone who really, really cares about your mental health and about taking care of you. So this podcast is not meant to be a substitute for therapy or medical advice, but thanks for being here. So today's episode deals a lot with the relationship between men and women and how that could be improved in a post-Me Too era. We also talk about divorce, uh, which really kind of brought up my feelings and memories of conscious uncoupling. Does anyone remember this term? When Gwyneth Paltrow and Chris Martin got divorced, they brought it out into the news. They're not the ones who wrote the book, but uh, Gwyneth certainly popularized the term. So I thought it might be good to just revisit that. I kept thinking about this like goop definition of divorce and this sanitized self-helpy definition of it versus the reality of what we go through, which is something we examine a lot on the show today. So I looked up the definition and according to goop, Conscious uncoupling. For our purposes, conscious uncoupling is the ability to understand that every irritation and argument within a relationship was a signal to look inside ourselves and identify a negative internal object that needed healing. Honestly, I think that at the time, conscious uncoupling got a very bad rap and people made fun of it, but it sounds really healthy. I mean, it is impossible to change other people's behavior. The only person you can actually change is yourself. So the ability to look within and see where you might be a part of the problem and how you can change your own behavior, I don't think that's all bad, honestly. And I don't think that uh, divorce needs to be this stigma, this nasty, ugly thing where everybody acts like it's the end of the world. Especially, there are so many different situations. We never know people's stories. And people should have the freedom to do what they want within reason. So one more quote from Gwyneth. Because I thought, you know, maybe maybe we didn't give her the time of day. Because I feel like there are a lot of divorces that happen now that are very conscious. People are doing the modern family thing. People are doing the co-parenting thing quite well uh, from Gwyneth. I wanted to turn my divorce into a positive. What if I didn't blame the other person for anything and held myself 100% accountable? What if I checked my own shit at the door and put my children first and reminded myself about the things about my ex-husband that I love and fostered the friendship? Now that's, that's a light bulb. That's a good idea because if you've fallen out of love or there's infidelity or whatever the reasoning is behind the divorce, if there are kids involved, yeah, why not try to foster that friendship instead of making this person your enemy and turning the children into the pawns? Anyway, I am getting way, way off track here, folks. Uh, <laughs> I just, I don't know, very interested in it, you know? Uh, especially as a uh, child of divorce. That's right. My mom and my bio dad, they divorced when I was just a baby. Uh, she did get remarried once I was six, so I did have a father figure in my life who's still around. But, you know, it's definitely something that has affected me and I think about. And there's no real perfect way to do it. But as long as you can consider everyone's feelings and say that you really tried your best at the relationship, I'm not going to get mad at you. <laughs> and I think it is something that really affects mental health we have not discussed on the show yet. For today's episode, we have Matthew Solomon. He is the author of the book Man School, and he also does coaching for individuals and consulting for businesses. 
He calls himself the coach for the modern soul. He's an empowerment coach. He specializes in communication and relationships. And, oh, his book, Man School, it is about men learning to relate with women in the hashtag Me Too era. So obviously a little trigger warning on this episode. We do mention Weinstein and sexual assault and things like that. Uh, But we also cover uh, how you can date and navigate life after divorce and how that's not the end of the world. You can learn how to reinvent yourself and how men can navigate this new post Me Too era and take responsibility for what they are doing and take responsibility for treating each other better, treating women better. I will say with the way things are going now and a lot of people are discovering their gender is beyond this binary of men and women, I'm really curious to see how this conversation evolves. Um, But for now, this convo does focus mostly on cis men and women and how they are having those traditional gender roles and how they need to be flipped on their head. If you are new here, please do not forget to hit that subscribe or follow button on whatever podcast app you're listening on. And if you're back for more, thank you for being here. So excited to have you. So go ahead, leave a review. Don't be shy. You can tell me how much you love the show. It'll make me feel so great and will definitely make me feel like I have done something good in the world, which is really all I'm trying to do here is to make your life better. So without further ado, please enjoy today's episode. Our guest today is really, really great. Uh, Someone I met on set uh, several years ago, and he has gone off to do some really interesting work um, in the self-help space specifically for men. Uh, He's the author of a book called Man School, and he is also a coach for individuals and does consulting for businesses. Please welcome Matthew Solomon. Hello. Hello. Hi there. How are you? I'm hearing applause in my head, but... (laughs) You know what? People are applauding in their cars, but you know what? Like only one hand. They got to keep the other hand. Yeah, the one hand. Right, right, right. (laughs) So, uh, mental health check in. Matthew, how are we feeling today? Oh, we're like right off to the races. Is Um, that okay? Or, you know, listen, we can go to more small talk if you want. You know, I actually, (laughs) I, I, I love that. And I think I wish we did that more with each other. And, and, you know, like, even in my work, like, I, I prefer to start off with, all right, what's, what's there for you today? How are you feeling today? What's, what's going on? Where, what, what's the, the starting point? So, yeah, I'm, I, I feel good. I've been, um, I, through the pandemic, I was telling, you know, saying before, I went back to school. So mm-hmm. I'm in a master's program. And so I'm online uh, all day you know, reading a lot of stuff, writing a lot of stuff. Most of it's about policy and uh, civic engagement and social justice and, uh, you know, different things like that. And so like being like really sucked into that and reading and then having to write and synthesize all of it, um, it's a lot. But then when I get to talk to somebody like you and actually interact, you know, with a real live person, it just feels better. Like I have more energy. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Instead of just getting your nose stuck in a book. But I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm sure all of those topics sound very interesting uh, to be studying. So that's, that's cool. And timely, like I I picked the time to go back to school to study this stuff, like right in the middle of everything literally erupting all around us with all of that. Interesting. So I know that you are like an author and a coach and a consultant Mm -hmm. already. How is this education going to shift what you do? Or is it just going to add to what you're doing? Yeah, it's it's adding to it. I'm I'm somebody who uh, I have a whole lot of lived experience, like life experience. Out Mm -hmm. of high school, I went to music school. Mm-hmm. at University of Southern California. And so I was like, I'm, you know, I'm going to be a rock star, professional musician. And I was in music for 15 years. I actually left school because I was in a band and we were recording and we had a lot of stuff going on and I didn't really want to be in school anyway. So I had left school and then 
through the course of life, I was in the music business, then I was an actor for many years, and then a filmmaker. So in the entertainment business for 20 plus years, and then doing personal development stuff, because I was really interested in how do I be a better person and, you know, have better relationships and be more effective. And so I was doing all of that. And then it just kind of intersected, you know, about five or six years ago when I, when I started coaching. And then I've always had an awareness of social justice issues around sexism and racism and ableism and all the isms. Yeah. That's Um, what I was going to ask you about actually. So I can dive right in. Uh, This book, uh, Man School, Mm -hmm. Relating with Women in the Me Too Area. I have to say my immediate reaction, and I say this with the most love in the world, Mm -hmm. uh, is why do I need a man to tell me about the Me Too movement, which is like Mm -hmm. women's stories, right? That was my immediate reaction. But then I opened it because I was like, okay, Katie, listen, maybe you're being a little bit too harsh. Maybe there is something valuable here. Uh, And what I realized is that you are doing some important work, which is you are going from one man to another man and telling them how they should be relating to women. Because I think the issue a lot of times that is missed in this Me Too or Time's Up or any of these conversations is they put the onus on women to uh, deal with uh, the assault and to recover and to uh, be strong and to go to court and do all these things, right? But they don't talk about like the root cause of everything, which is like, okay, why can't men just learn to treat women better? (laughs) Mm-hmm. and learn to behave better. And so I just, I really think that's uh, an important thing you're doing with this book. Uh, and I swear I'm getting around to a question. I just wanted to kind of give you an idea of how I felt about it. But yeah. like, if for, for anyone out there who's looking at, at this book and like whether or not to like read it, why, why would someone listen to a man over a woman in these topics? Like what perspective are you bringing here? Right. Well, that's, a, that's a great question. And I, I haven't, had it asked to me like that before so really? thank you yeah oh it's surprising yeah. and 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 so you know I'll, I'll back up a little bit and I'll, i i want to kind of share how the book came about cuz i didn't i didn't yes. set out to write it you know through the course of you know the entertainment business that i that, you know we're in mm-hmm. um, through the course of coaching and personal development and learning really how to how to listen to another person and get what your lived experience is and, and center that versus me trying to impose what I think, mm-hmm. you know, your lived experience should be or how you should relate to it or, you know, what you should do, you know, in a given situation. Mm-hmm. I, I, I really got how important it is and how healthy it is to having, you know, relationships that work. Um, how important it is to listen to another person's lived experience and to just get that communication and acknowledge it and not have to add anything to it. Mm-hmm. And so when the Me Too movement online happened, and it's important to acknowledge Me Too actually started in 2006 by a black woman named Tarana Burke. Yes. And, you know, she had this platform. Yeah, I think we, we all owe a lot to her, Yeah, uh, especially... Uh, well, I think it's 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 rippled out to every industry, but women in the mm-hmm. entertainment industry specifically owe a lot to her for starting this movement and starting these conversations. And yeah. we're starting to have um, more safe workplaces and safe sets mm-hmm. and people are actually uh, thinking about this stuff more, which is great. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, so she, yeah, she had created that, that the the term and the movement and the platform. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, but that was 2006. So cut to 2017 with Harvey Weinstein and Bill Cosby and, um, you know, all of those high profile cases. And then the hashtag me too came about on social media because social media wasn't even, I mean, maybe, I mean, there were, there was like MySpace and stuff, 2006, maybe Facebook, but, you know, so everything erupts and I see, some men, but mostly women sharing their me too stories on my, you know, Facebook feed. Yeah. And because I had been listening to women, because I had been doing the work that I'd been doing, I wasn't surprised, but I was humbled by the amount of stories and, and how vulnerably 
you know, these women were sharing. Mm-hmm. And so I would be very gracious and say, thank you for sharing. And then I would see men who didn't really understand what was happening, who would push back and say, well, you know, all the various ways of, you know, well, you know, like maybe questioning them or uh, not understanding why they're sharing it mm-hmm. or maybe a man or honestly, I mean, I hate that this, this whole conversation is so binary because honestly, I mean, there's, right. there's, there's plenty of genders out there, but mm-hmm. for the purposes of this conversation, uh, yeah, like men basically not knowing where their place is in that, like, are they mm-hmm. supposed to be outwardly supportive? Are they supposed to be silent? I'm right. sure that that's confusing, right? It is. It is. It absolutely is. And and at that time, I was seeing a lot of, oh, well, you you know misunder you uh, didn't understand his intentions, or you know it, it it was meant as a compliment, or you know all of the the various things that negate when when women have been harassed. Right. You know that that you all have, you know, many of you have had to deal with. And so I would interact with those men and be like, no, actually, this is, this is a thing. And this is what women have shared with me. Mm-hmm. And it's really important just to listen, you know, and, and that's the best way we can support. And so the more I would do that, women on social media were, were like, oh my God, a man who gets it, we're exhausted. Please write a book or teach a class or something. Cause you know, we're tired of doing, having to educate men or, or, or justify you know, what we're sharing. Like, oh, we, yeah. You know, See, that know, makes sense. That. So basically what you're saying is that, and I agree, a lot of women are really tired of doing all of the emotional labor yeah. of educating men about these topics. Because, I mean, I agree. I've been dealing with this my whole life, just, just being a woman and existing mm-hmm. <laughs> in yeah. society, you know, and it's, it's really um, frustrating when men just don't get it at -hmm. all and then they ask you to explain it and then all I can think is well where where do I start yeah yeah and so you're taking that labor possibly you know off of my plate and maybe putting this book together to give them a little bit of a I don't know guidebook like how to treat women nicely for dummies <laughs> yeah i mean it's it's that it's how to lit like i have a chapter on listening where i break right. down like the effect because most of the time and this is isn't just men because sure. you know but most of the time we're listening to either fix the other person or mm-hmm. help them uh in our in our way help them mm-hmm. or impose what we think you know you should do or, or whatever and so I have a chapter on listening that that's really about how to listen to somebody to to get their experience to understand, you know, why they're feeling the way they are, what it was like for them. And so the more we do that, it creates partnership. And when we create partnership with each other, we tend to open up and trust people more and relax with each other. And then that that eliminates the division because most of the time we're just butting heads trying to debate and one up each other and and assert ourselves. Yeah. Um, so, so with the book, I was, I was essentially asked to write a book or teach a class. And I figured if I write a book, you know, men are more likely to read it, you know, and it could reach more people. And so that's, that's how the book came about. Wow. That's really interesting. Yeah. Uh, and it, it kind of stemmed from a need and that, uh, I think that's the best place to come from instead of just inventing something out of thin air. There's like, mm-hmm. oh, here I'm seeing that this community is literally asking for yeah. this. Why don't I give it a shot and see yeah. see what happens? Yeah, and and you know the thing is, it's like I had been so involved in that conversation that it literally it took me like a weekend to write the first draft because mm-hmm. like I knew all the stuff that needed to be said and shared because I had been doing this for months and listening to women for months and, and, and listening to, you know, women expressing their frustration regarding, like, we just want to tell our story and not be judged. And, and I've been in seminars where women have expressed uh, like the threat, how they feel threatened. You all feel threatened, you know, often walking down the street and, you know, it can be scary Mm-hmm. Um, you know, being catcalled or having, you know, somebody following you or any number of things or, sure. or like I had a, uh, you know, a, a friend of mine who like, she just wanted to go to the bar and watch a baseball game 
and was totally dressed down, sat by herself. And she was like, guys just kept hitting on her. Mm-hmm. And I asked her, I said, well, why don't you, you know, just tell them the fuck off. And her response was, cause you never know what they're going to do. Yeah. Cause they'll get mad. They'll follow me home. Yeah. And so that was like a, a mo- another moment for me. It was like, oh, okay. There's yeah. like a whole other layer. Yeah. For those of you who are just listening at home, I was, as soon as you were like, why don't you tell them to fuck off? I just shook my head because that's not an option. It doesn't yeah. feel like an option, especially when you're alone at a bar, uh, a woman who is alone at a bar. And again, this is like very old school, gender binary, whatever, but like yeah. a person alone at the bar, honestly, it's like, oh, why are you alone at the bar? You must be here because you're seeking a partner. And mm-hmm. so this is an open invitation for me to hit on you. And it's like, no, yeah. sometimes I just want to do something by myself. And it has nothing to do with me trying to meet uh, a romantic partner at yeah. all. Hey, Sunnies, just a little break here to tell you about my favorite counseling service, which also happens to be a sponsor of this podcast, BetterHelp. Now, You might be asking me, Katie, what the heck is BetterHelp? Well, I'm here to tell you. It is the largest online counseling platform worldwide. uh, And they are changing the way that people get help because you can do it from the comfort of your own home. And it's super easy. Uh, And all of the counselors on BetterHelp are licensed, trained, experienced, actual psychologists. They're not just like some wackadoos on the internet like me. Uh, they actually know their stuff. And when you sign up, you get to take a quiz um, and you talk about whatever it is that you need help with, whether that's anxiety, depression, what kind of therapy you want to do. And they will match you with a counselor very quickly and you can get started on your therapy journey. So let me support you and I will give you 10% off of your first month if you go to betterhelp.com slash cryingbehindpod. That's betterhelp.com slash cryingbehindpod. And it's a special offer for my Sunny's listeners that I'm really proud to do because the main reason I started this podcast was to make a difference, be able to destigmatize these conversations around mental health. So, you know, therapy is not just for crazy people, it's for people like you. Like I said, betterhelp.com slash cryingbehindpod and you will get 10% off. I was looking at your story and also part of a big part of it was that you had gone through a divorce and you were Mm -hmm. dating um, a series of women and having conversations with them about these issues. So if it's not too much to ask uh, as we're like diving into this stuff, because I want to know more about you, not just about what you're writing about, but like where, where this all came from, you know, so take me back wherever this all stemmed from with you and learning to understand women, like maybe, mm-hmm. I don't know if that started when your marriage ended and you're like, oh no, what do I do? Or was it while you were dating? Well, I mean, so I was, I was married like eight and a half years. Mm-hmm. And through the course of that marriage, like we were in and out of therapy, you know, all the time with different therapists and healers and whatnot. And so I, I, I consider that my journey to figure out relationships and figure out women and myself and, and how to make things work. Yeah. Therapy. That's tough. Yeah. Started around there. there. You know, there, there were times where I was all the way on my side of the couch and she was all the way on her side of the couch. And it was like the same thing going back and forth every week. And then it was like, all right, we'll see you next week. You know, and it was a lot of both of us justifying and arguing and it's like okay I know you said you want me to do this but I can't because of that and you need to this and you need to that and you know we weren't really hearing each other yeah really and we weren't willing we really weren't willing to do what the other person needed because we were you know so dug into you know I'm not getting my needs met you know which is and there's a space for that also and you know, because it's important for everybody to get their needs met, but it's also, you know, if we're not hearing each other, it's just never going to, we're just never going to get there. Yeah. And when you're in a relationship, it's like you, the the communication, it sounds like is where the biggest breakdown was there, where like, Mm -hmm. there's one person who's not getting their needs met, the other person's not getting their needs met, but you're also both not hearing each other, maybe, or just so concerned with your own things that are going wrong 
for you that you're not willing or able maybe to listen to whatever's going on with this other person. And yeah. that's and gotta be it, a tough spot to be yeah, in. Yeah, And it becomes a competition instead of a collaboration, which, mm-hmm. you know, when relationships work, it's a collaborative thing. It's a partnership. It's, you know, we're, uh, there's a really great um, uh, relationship therapist, Stan Tatkin, who talks about being in the foxhole together, you know, and it's like, all right, it's you and me and, uh, you know, we'll deal with like the world, you and me against the world, whatever comes in, like we, we got each other, we're committed to each other yeah. and, and it all starts there, you know, and it's not me and you, it's like us as, as the couple. Right. You know I mean? And so that's, that's a whole separate entity that's, you know, made up of both of us. Uh-huh. But if we're not approaching it as we're in this together, then it just, you know, it becomes two people kind of competing. And when we're competing in a relationship, it's not, it doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have enough competition already in my work. Why would I want that when I come home or in the bedroom or at the dinner table? Right. Nobody Mm -hmm. wants that. I mean, I guess, like you said, it does happen, but I don't think that anyone would seek that out. I know. And it's like, and we've chosen like the hardest professions, some of the hardest professions. I don't want to like well, the most competitive, the right? Most competitive. Like yeah. how, uh, how many other uh, professions can you think of that you go on, I don't know, a hundred plus job interviews in one mm-hmm. year, right? If you yeah. think about auditioning or yeah. even like being a director or a lot of other mm-hmm. creative fields, it is a lot of putting yourself out there and a lot of rejection. And I think from my perspective, at least uh, because of that, I've really tried to seek out partners that are just kind of stable, uh-huh. <laughs> normal. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know what I mean by normal, I guess not really, but just stable and that they are on my team and mm-hmm. that there's never a point in where I'm like questioning our bond and there's yeah. not a competition. That's the huge part because mm-hmm. uh, when we, just to revisit the idea of the differences between men and women and societal ideas about these things is that um, dating as a woman who actually has ambition and has passions in life Mm -hmm. is not always easy because some men, if they are insecure, cannot handle that. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I've definitely dealt with that and uh, it's, it's not fun. (laughs) It's not fun. (laughs) So you were going, you were going over how you had been in therapy for with, mm-hmm. in oh. all different kinds of therapy with your, with your ex-wife. And yep. uh, I agree with you, regardless of if the relationship works out. And I want to throw this out there to like the sunnies that are listening. If you're in couples therapy and the relationship does not work out, that does not mean that that time in couples therapy was not valuable. Yeah, like you right. like going to couples therapy, even if it's not with your forever person, like it's going to give you tools. You're going to learn mm-hmm. a lot and you can use those tools in your friendships and in your family and possibly with other romantic partners. It's not just applied to that one situation. Like I learned a lot from going to couples therapy with people who I am no longer with. So mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> I just, every, every single relationship I've been in, I can trace you know, what I gained from that relationship. You yeah. Know, it could be relationship skills. It could be how to cook salmon. <laughs> you know, yeah. it could be uh, that I, um, you know, different uh, preferences in the bedroom. It could sure. be, you know, that I love to, to hike or do yoga or like any of that stuff. Like I've, I've picked up things from different relationships that have all, you know, made me who I am. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, either it's like, I'll meet that forever person and, and we'll grow together inside of that. Or, you know, it, it may not work out like that. It's, yeah. you know, there's, there's, you know, you were, we were talking about, you were talking about binaries and there really is this thing in our culture where like, you're supposed to be with somebody and it's supposed to be forever. Mm-hmm. And when we get stuck in that, which I've been stuck in that, it's, it can be really hard not to see a breakup as a failure when the majority of relationships break up. You know, it's just like 60, 70% of marriages. End Is in that divorce. really? I thought it's it was a, only half. We're up to 60 no, it's, it's at least 60. And then depending on where you're at, like I think LA is like 70 or something. Wow. But it's, okay. you know, it's up there. 
you know, and even if it was half, like, all right, you know, half, and then all the relationships, you know, that a lot of us have been in, um, you, you know, the, it's just, it's one of those, it's like, uh, you, you know, like acting, you go on all these auditions and you book the job and, or you don't, and then you book the job or that you don't. Yeah. And you know. Well, and I think that uh, your point, which is really helpful is to see it as like, instead of putting the pressure on the relationship of having it to have to be forever, just taking the person as they are and seeing like choosing each other every day and choosing and seeing and evaluating how everything is going and being open to the idea that, oh yeah, there, there might come a time where mm. we grow apart or for some reason, this is no longer going to work. And at that point we can choose to work on it or not. And that's yeah. kind of, I guess, I don't know if that's a more healthy perspective to come from, but it seems like it could be. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the best arrangements that I've, I've heard of mm -hmm. is a teacher of mine uh, said that he and his wife, every five years, they reevaluate mm -hmm. and they're like, okay, where are you at? Where am I at? What do we want together? Do we want to do this for another five years? Mm -hmm. And if it's yes, then, okay, we're all in. We're committed no matter what the next five years, you know, we're doing this. And so they do that. They check in. And so it, it doesn't become a, because, you know, the other trap is, well, it's no big deal if we break up and then we're not working on anything or we're not trying to Of course, to people or, should be invested. Mm -hmm. Like if, if you're spending this much time with someone, of course, it shouldn't just be uh, a total waste or something that you don't take seriously. Um, so yeah, being invested for sure. I mean, that five-year thing though, I don't think I could handle that. I have too much anxiety for that. I don't uh -huh. want to be like, oh no, I'm getting called into the principal's office. Every right, right. It's, 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 four, it's four years <laughs> and six months. Oh, six months. I guess I better plan it. some romantic dinners or like yeah. do something. <laughs> right. Yeah, cram, right? Like <laughs> yeah. You, you, you just cruise for four years and then, all right, we're going yeah. to Fiji. We're going to Mastro's. We're going to yeah, 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 I'm gonna I'm gonna lose 20 pounds. Yeah, like, right. don't worry, everything's gonna be great. Like, I'm gonna buy. I, I don't know. That, I just I'm thinking about this, how this scenario could really go wrong, especially yeah, for right. someone like uh, me who is a total procrastinator and like, <laughs> I don't know. That's hilarious. <laughs> if I may ask, what yeah. was the final straw or what? I mean, it was, was the final conclusion there. It, it, I mean, it was just years of issues and things not getting better and finances and sex and you know, not working and um, what we realized were very different views of, of the world and how we wanted to, what we wanted to do in life and the kind of people we were, like, it just wasn't, like, at the beginning, it seemed to fit. And then, you know, a couple years later, three kids later, and, and just things, there were just things that weren't working, you know, yeah. And, yeah, that and, makes sense. and we're continuing not to work. You know, mm -hmm. so it was like the same stuff that over and over again, you know, regarding, you know, sex and intimacy and money and, and just, you know, how we approach life. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and it's, it's interesting because I'll ask that question sometimes either with friends or even with myself. And I find that a lot of times adult breakups or divorces, it's, it's a very similar answer. It's not usually anything that exciting. It's just mm -hmm. kind of like, yeah, well pretty much all these different categories. It wasn't lining up anymore. We wanted different things. So here we are. And, uh, but that's such a, I hate to say like a, a good way to break up, but it is better to come from than instead of like, oh, this person cheated or mm -hmm. this person has betrayed this person. At least mm -hmm. you're coming from a place of mutual respect and just seeing that you want different things, right? Yeah, well, I mean, it, it wasn't all... <laughs> I'm, listen, I'm romantic. No. I, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm romanticizing your breakup. Feel free yeah. to feel, feel free to, no, to mean, correct was, me. Was it so it, you're saying that it was not like a Gwyneth Paltrow style conscious uncoupling. This is more of like, I, I would know. say <laughs> it was, it, it wasn't as cut and dry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we, we did it as consciously as we could. We, you yeah. know, we had, we have kids. So we went through like mediation yeah, I mean, it was, you know, so the, we, we divorced around 2011, 12, 2012. And so, mm -hmm. you know, it was like we, we got caught up in the housing crisis and, you know, 2008, 2009, we, you know, we had 
you know, financial stuff that happened. Um, we just could not connect, you know, sexually. And so there was all this like frustration and, and, and animosity that built up. Plus we had, you know, kids, which that, you know, adds into it. And, that adds and, a lot of pressure. You know, we had a, a, a set of, of twins that were, you know, a year old, you, you know, at the time. And so it was just wow. really hard. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, when we went through the, the divorce process, you know, it's like we tried to make it as, as easy as, as possible. And then once, cause I, I moved out like, cause it was easier for me to, to get a place, you know, but then we were sharing custody. But then once I was out, that's kind of when like the real drama showed up and like, you know, the, how do I want to say this? Like, you know, I started dating somebody pretty soon after that. And that sure. wasn't, um, you know, she didn't take that really well, my ex. I, I mean, you know? I, and, can you, I, I, as a woman, I, mm-hmm. I can say, I understand, you know, yeah. eight and a half year marriage and then you start dating someone. It is, it's a little upsetting. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, it's like, I, and so, and she was somebody who like, she was established in her career sure. when, when we got together and I was like building, you know, I was coming out of music business. I was acting mm-hmm. and then getting into filmmaking and, and all of that. And so, you know, it was just, it was just a lot of, um, shit, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. To, to navigate through and then having kids and, and, and all of that. And so, you know, it was like, we made it work for a while. And then there were times where it was, we'd get into these, you know, we just had to learn how to not have the same fights anymore because we just weren't together anymore. Right. You know? And so learning how to, you know, like I'm, I'm not responsible for your emotions. You're not responsible for my emotions. We're not responsible for each other in the same way that we were, if we were married, mm-hmm. you know, not saying, you know, we have to be assholes to each other, but, but just, you know, there's, there's, there needs to be space there, you know, for, you know, her to be her own person outside of the marriage, for me to be my own person outside of the marriage, for the kids to recognize, okay, mommy and daddy aren't together anymore, you know, but we're, we're going to be okay. And, you know, things are cool at dad's house. Things are cool at mom's house. There's, you know, it just, it's a lot to kind of unlearn and relearn and, and discover differently. Yeah. And it, and it's hard. Like it's, it's the hardest thing I've had to do, you know, was go through the divorce and go through that with kids and, um, yeah, the transition, because when you have the kids, like you said, the, the, it's not as cut and dry. You can't just be like, okay, bye. You know, it's, if, if you're doing it right in which you are, you're showing up for these kids, you Mm -hmm. know, you're both still committed parents, then yeah, you're going to have to, transition into whatever the new version of this relationship looks like and that of course is can't be easy and i'm sure is messy at times Mm -hmm. kids are smart you know and they're like well mommy doesn't make us do that or daddy doesn't do that and Mm -hmm. so like there's all all these different things that you you gotta we had to figure out you know working through it and then you know i like i said i was dating somebody eventually Mm -hmm. she was dating somebody Mm-hmm. And then, you know, so there's this other, um, other element that there's another person. And then I broke up with someone and I was dating somebody else. And then she, you know, she broke up and, and, you know, I'm doing personal development seminars and stuff in between, yeah. you know, trying to get on all of that stuff. Yeah. Um, and that's, yeah. I mean, oh, and then, so you were asking about my dating. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. I guess- Tangents are very mm-hmm. welcome here. Yeah, but it's coming I around. I don't it's like to rein anybody in too much <laughs> because I am just really fascinated and I feel like people will learn a lot by hearing about this because mm-hmm. when people get divorced, it often is so taboo. No one yeah. wants to talk about it. Everyone's just like, oh, that happened. So yeah. sorry for you. Like as if someone died. And I mean, mm-hmm. yes, the relationship died, but also life goes on. And yeah. uh, I think that you've obviously learned and grown from that experience. So, you know, why not share that knowledge? And yeah. you said that uh, after the divorce, you were going through and you're dating women. And as you were dating different 
people, the Me Too movement was happening. So you're hearing mm -hmm. uh, from women about their relationships with men and how these had, things had affected them. So uh, what was the most uh, striking story that you heard that really uh, sparked um, something in you? I mean, so, so, you know, after the divorce, I, I had two sort of longer term, you know, like a uh, person for a year and then a person for three years that I, that I dated. Yeah. And then, and so I, Jordan, who, for those of you who are listening, K Katie and I have a mutual friend, Jordan yes. um, said to me, he's like, you've been in relationship to relationship to relationship. You need to like, stop being in a relationship for a while and just date. Uh -huh. And, and so he said that another friend of mine said that, and I was like, okay, cool. I agree. Cause I, the, the last relationship I was in, like we had moved in together with the kids and the breakup was, was really hard. And, and, you know, so I was like, okay, I need to like, stop, you know, break this pattern mm -hmm. and get to know myself and, you know, do like my work and then get to know women. Cause I, I had never, I didn't really date, you know, it, when I was younger, mm -hmm. like I was, I, I didn't really have my first girlfriend until my early twenties and then I was just in relationship to relationship and then got married. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah. So then I, you know, I got on, you know, all the apps and uh, was, was dating a lot and went, yeah, women would, you know, just share their stories with me. Cause I've always been somebody who is a good listener and people have, all people have always felt comfortable telling me stuff. And so women that I was going on dates with would share their horror stories from, you know, Bumble or Tinder or whatever, or their horror stories on dates or, um, you know, things from just being out in the world, mm -hmm. you know, even outside the dating experience. So, you know, I think, I mean, there were a lot of stories and I, I share some of them in my book. And of one course. of them actually was the woman who went to the bar to watch the game, Yep. you know, that I was, we were talking about. And, you know, so not only was she did, did she enlighten me to the fact that you can't just tell a man, you know, leave me the fuck alone, go away. You know, I'm not interested because you don't know what they're going to do. They're going to get mad. They're going to follow you home. But she said, you know, there'd be times where, you know, people would offer to walk her home because it was like a neighborhood bar and she would tell them, oh, you know, this is my place, but it was like two blocks away from where she actually lived because she of didn't course. want to know where she lived. Yeah. I mean, you're the, all the things you're telling me, I'm just like, yeah, yeah, these are things yeah. I do. I mean, you're, you, you uh, walk with your keys in between your knuckles mm -hmm. yeah. uh, or you have an actual friend walk you to your car, not just like a random dude uh, mm -hmm. or yeah, like a lot of times that offer to walk you home or to walk you to your car isn't really an offer. It's just them looking for a way to take you somewhere else mm -hmm. where they can make a move on you, right? Yeah. And uh, it's just really a shame because it shouldn't be that way. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, like, like you know, I've never texted Jordan or anybody else and be like, okay, this is where I'm going on my date. And this is what she looks like. And this is her phone number. If anything happens to me, you know, whereas women would share that, that they did that, you know, they would do that all the time. You know, there are a lot of measures that we have to take yeah. and it sucks that we have to do that, but it's just kind of, yeah. But I, I really yeah. hope that more men will read your book or find other ways to educate themselves about, um, better ways to treat women and mm -hmm. uh not even just to the nth degree of things that we see like weinstein and cosby mm -hmm. and things like that but also just the subtle things that they don't think about like calling someone sweetie or darling mm -hmm. or babe when yeah. you are not even slightly in a relationship with them or <laughs> yeah. uh, just kind of unwarranted uh I don't know what you call them, not, not advances, but unwarranted compliments mm -hmm. randomly on the street. Cat calling, I guess, would be the better term for that. Mm -hmm. And just small things that men don't necessarily think about where they could, they could do better. Yeah. Yeah. So. I, I remember, you know, one, I was driving for Lyft at one point, like, like most of us <laughs> have done mm -hmm. uh, around the time the book came out. And I was driving this guy who was in his late fifties. And we were talking about this and he was like, yeah, I wish we could go back to, 
you know, when I was younger, because none of this was happening. And I was like, no, it was all happening. You just didn't know it was happening. And nobody was talking about it. And they're like the, you know, the, the culture was different. And, you know, and in the book and, and in things I, I, I wrote a, a weekly column for the Good Men Project. Yes, uh, I saw that. And, you know, I really started to look at how we as a culture, not just men, but we as a culture have been so socialized into like into how we think and behave and you know it's like all the movies that i grew up with like revenge of the nerds and um uh porkies you know where it was all about you know like boys becoming men by doing whatever they needed to do to get laid whether it was oh yeah i mean that's classic or or hiding a camera or like any of that yeah you know, and like even like John Hughes movies, it's like I American Pie, mm-hmm, or like, I mean, name every single high school movie. What is the end goal for the dudes to lose their virginity on prom night yeah. by tricking a bunch of girls into sleeping with them? Mm-hmm. Right, like that's the plot of a lot of movies. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. that's interesting that you point that out, and I did notice that in the book, just like all the pop culture references of like how did this get ingrained in our culture? Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, Something else I wanted to ask you about is the idea of the friend zone. Mm -hmm. So you were saying you're someone who has a lot of female friends. Women uh, will often feel open telling you stories. Are you someone who has lived in the friend zone before? Well, that's, uh, I love that you brought that up because that's another lesson that I learned from my dating experiences Mm -hmm. was, yeah, we, well, we, especially as, as, as men, I was going to say, especially as men, I don't know if it's especially, but as men, it's like, we, you know, we're taught, we don't want to be in the friend zone. Sure. And and the whole idea is, is total BS because like, just because there is someone who identifies as female hanging out with someone who identifies as male Mm -hmm. does not mean that she owes him anything ever. And they can totally be friends and that's okay. Right. And And, I don't know. It's so weird. And the, you know, to go deeper, my value as a man isn't determined by if a woman wants to sleep with me or not. Because mm. that's, that's the, the, the deeper thing is, you know, there's this subconscious belief that, well, I, all women should want to sleep with me, or, or at least the ones that I want to sleep with me should want to sleep with me also, otherwise there's something wrong with me, or I have to prove myself or something like that. And so the whole idea of the friend zone is, you know, oh, don't get stuck there because, you know, then you're never going to, you know, sleep with her. She's never going to have sex with her. Right. Which also implies that women have no value to Mm -hmm. you unless you are able to have sex with them. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, wow. Mm -hmm. And I have to say the way you explained it is really, really interesting because the whole idea of the friend zone is born out of male fragility and male insecurity that they need to be validated by Mm -hmm. just every single woman that they meet is supposed to just run after them and throw themselves at them. And that's just not, and, and it's weird because when you flip it around, and again, a lot of this is generalizing people. I don't like to generalize. We're just Mm -hmm. kind of throwing these ideas out there. If they don't apply to you, fine. But in my experience, most women don't really have that in the reverse. Like I don't expect every single man that I meet to be attracted to me and to want mm-hmm. to sleep with me. I don't think that there's anything wrong with a person if they are not sexually attracted to me. I wouldn't neg them or uh, accuse them of friend zoning me. I wouldn't even be upset about it at all. Mm-hmm. And so it's just, it's it's pretty wild that, that is such a real thing that a big portion of our population believes to be true. And I don't know how to fix it, but it's just, it's pretty wild. Well, I think, I think it's, <laughs> it, 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 you know, it comes down to unpacking that and, yeah. you know, it's, yeah, like, you know, so, so there's the, the element of, yes, we can be like, it's funny because my kids, whenever they would see me talking to a woman, they were like, oh, are you guys dating? 
you know, and I'd be like, look, just because two very attractive people are, you know, talking to each other doesn't mean that we're having to date. And sure. I would say that as a joke, you know, to yeah, very, as, as a compliment to yourself yeah. and also yeah. an accurate <laughs> statement, everyone. Right. Go check yeah. out his headshots. He's an attractive man. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, but it, but it is, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's being okay with, you know, it's like when Harry met Sally, that sure. whole thing about, oh, it's, it's impossible for a man and a woman to be friends without him wanting to, to sleep with her. And no, like we're taught that on some level, like we've been socialized that way, but it's not really like that. It doesn't have to be like that. No. And we can, you know, it can be okay, right? To, to not need to, you know, like I get a lot of value out of my friendships with women, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, um, and it doesn't help anyone like on either side of the equation mm -hmm. because I think that that mentality also, this is a little bit off topic, but perhaps on topic, I think it stops women from being able to advance in the workplace because mm. men don't feel that they can have these platonic relationships with yeah. women. So then they just surround themselves with a bunch right. of dudes. They mm -hmm. hire only men uh, to be in the quote unquote inner circle of whatever business it is that they're running. Uh, and that doesn't help. It doesn't help women to move ahead. No. No, and it, you know, it, it, you reminded me of that Tony Robbins thing that happened a couple years ago, where um, uh, he got into he was, you know, spouting off about the Me Too movement, and he was like, "I know all these like high-powered male executives who they're afraid to hire women because, mm -hmm. you know, and and so yeah, it's the stuff like that that, like you were saying, it places the women's value only around like attractiveness or sex and and not what you can contribute." you know, what you're able to, to do like in, in the workplace or, or any place or in a friendship or, you know, in any capacity. And it is a, a very limiting thing. I, I want to say, you know, one thing though, like the, just to kind of finish like the friend zone thing. Yes. Let's like get back I, to the friend zone. If there are any, if there's, you know, anybody who's feeling like they're perpetually in a place where they're attracted to somebody, but it's not reciprocated or they don't know what to do. Like for me, I didn't, like I said, I didn't date a lot. Mm -hmm. I was afraid to initiate or to, you know, ask somebody out or to, you know, tr kiss them or whatever. And so that's something worth looking at is if, you know, if somebody's like not feeling fulfilled in their, you know, intimate romantic relationships, then it's like, okay, cool. Well, let's look at, are you being straightforward with your intentions? Yeah. You know, like I remember, like there was this one uh, discussion uh, around the Me Too movement uh, you know, back when I was writing the book with, with mm -hmm. this guy who, like, he was thoroughly convinced that he had to trick women into spending time with him. And if he was straightforward and just said, hey, I'd like to take you out on a date, that that would put him in some, like, lesser position and that he wouldn't get what he wanted, you know, in, in terms of, like a fulfilling, uh, you know, relationship or dating life or whatever. And so like the way I coach people in general and men uh, specifically is if you want to go on a date, say you want to go on a date, ask that, you know, say, I'd like to take yeah, you out on a be date. Be clear. You know, because I'm interested in you. Yeah. On the other end, women get very frustrated by that behavior. You will not get ahead mm -hmm. by saying, let's hang out. Let's chill. Yeah. Let's any other vocabulary other than just saying, hey, I like you. I want to take you out on a date is like, then at least it's clear. And then I think being so afraid of rejection that you're unwilling to actually put yourself out there, that's not going to help anyone. Mm -hmm. If people feel like they are constantly attracted to the wrong people, or actually I'll put, I'll put it to you like this, because I have heard arguments like that where they're like okay you need to be more clear right mm -hmm. what if there is a guy who is super clear okay and he just keeps asking out the wrong women who aren't yeah. interested then what does he need to just reevaluate and think okay maybe i need to get to know myself better or what do you think about that i mean you know a big part of my coaching when i'm working with people and organizations mm -hmm. also i do this you know um, on all levels is embodiment and mindfulness. And it's really spending time with yourself and getting to know like, who am I? What do I want? What's important to me? What makes me feel good? How do mm -hmm. I want to feel? 
you know, and, and the more we invest in that for ourselves, uh, the more we're going to be able to connect with people, you know, who are aligned with that. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think that's great advice. Actually, coming back to Tony Robbins, I will tell you, I think I've talked about this on the podcast before, so apologies, feel free to skip over this, but uh, his documentary on Netflix, I'm Not Your Guru, was life-changing mm-hmm. for me, mm-hmm. literally life-changing because I was uh, dating someone and I knew that it was not a long-term thing. I knew it was not my person, but yeah. I was just kind of sticking around because it was fun, which is fine. Like, there are times in life that where I would highly encourage people to just, like you said, just go out and date and have fun. Yeah. But I knew at the same time that I was in a place where that's not what I wanted anymore. And I, yeah. I want, I was now, I had been single and dating for long enough that I kind of wanted something more, something that was more serious. And mm-hmm. I remember watching that documentary and there's a part where he has someone call and break up with their partner, like in front of the entire audience. Yeah, remember do you remember that, that mm-hmm. part? Mm-hmm. I remember yeah. that and just thinking like, yeah, I need that. I need to do that. Yeah. And then you're like looking on the couch next to you. <laughs> oh no, the person was not there. I wasn't okay. living with them. Oh, it was yeah. like a thing where we'd only been dating for a few months or something. Mm-hmm. And, but yeah, that relationship wasn't that significant. It was mostly just this mind sh- mindset shift. And mm-hmm. the other thing I got from that documentary was what you were saying of really reflecting upon myself and my goals and what are my best qualities? What are my worst qualities? What qualities am I looking for in a partner? What uh, am I really hoping to get out of a relationship? Why do I even want to be in a relationship? Because you know, it is possible to be a whole person and not even have a partner too. Yeah. So just having those whole conversations with yourself, I think is so important, regardless of if you're male, female, non-binary, et cetera, because you're right. Like if you're going out there and you're running into a lot of dead ends, maybe you need to go back and figure out more about yourself and get to know yourself a little better and Mm -hmm. know what it is that you're bringing to the table and what you would want. And it was wild because I remember I wrote down a whole list and uh, about five days later, I uh, started dating someone and we were together for I think three years. You know, did we stay together forever? No, but it was a really important person in my life. It was a great relationship. And uh, I think a big reason why I was open to that person and uh, like open to the possibility of a relationship with that person was because I went into it with this mentality of, okay, these are the things I'm looking for. And these are the Mm -hmm. things that I can give. And then I, when that right person came along, I was able to recognize it and seize the opportunity. So I, I would really pass that along to anybody out there who's single and feels like they're running into a lot of rejection, you know? Yeah. I don't know where we got, got on Tony Robbins, but mm-hmm. I could talk about him all day. I think it's really, he's, he's really great at what he does. He's not for everyone. Cause I know his style is very like mm-hmm. brash, but I guess I enjoy that. I like when someone's just mm-hmm. like, Hey, fuck you. You need to, to change your life. <laughs> Right. <laughs> what, what's your style when you're coaching people? Are you more like holding people's hands or are you on his end of the spectrum or somewhere between? No, I'm definitely not on his end of the spectrum. I, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm from what, you know, my clients have said, like, I, I make it really safe for people to open up and to, you know, explore uh, themselves and to share, you know, and like really get to the core uh, in a gentle and loving way, you know, mm-hmm. versus, y- y- and, you know, in that space, um, you know, things come up where, you know, it's like you get hit over the head with, oh my God, you're right. I've been, you know, doing the same thing, you, you know, or I've been living within this pattern or I've had this story about myself, you, you know, so it's, it's like, there's still like those big moments, but it, I'm definitely more of a like kinder, gentler uh, on that end of the spectrum, you know, yes. and things, you know, for me with that approach, things tend to shift pretty quickly 
also it's just not i'm i'm just not that like loud in your face person. oh absolutely listen yeah. do i need that all the time no but sometimes <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's almost like sex, you know, it's like sometimes you like it slow and romantic. Yeah. Sometimes you like it fast and crazy yeah. or whatever. But I don't or think anything you can do in between yeah. anything in between. But I, I don't think that you want the same thing all the time. Right. You like variety. Yeah. So I don't know how we got into sex positions, but here we are. <laughs> well, <yeah>. uh, <laughs> so before I go, I would love to ask you, this is a special segment I like to call hot tips. Hot tips, hot tips, hot tips. Bow, 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 bow. Matthew, you yes. have a shitty day. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Kids are acting up. Uh, yep. you, you, I don't know. Something some, something goes wrong in your business uh-huh. or a romantic partner kind of things aren't working out. Yeah. You come home. Mm-hmm. What is something you are going to do to turn your mood around? What is your hot tip? Uh, I'm, I'm a walker. I get out and I walk. So in the neighborhood, you know, if I can hike, great, but it's, it's like, I have to be outside. I have to be walking. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's, that's what I do. And when you walk, are you with headphones or are you just uh, listening to the sounds of the streets and nature? Yeah. Sounds of the streets looking around. Um, I don't, I actually don't really like to walk like with headphones and, and that sort of thing. Um, I think I, I, you know, trained and taught martial arts and self-defense for many years. So I'm, oh, cool. I'm, I'm kind of more, you know, like I, I like my senses to be out and about. Um, but when I, when I walk, yeah, I, I'm, I want to be out. I want to be connecting with nature. I want to be taking things in that are outside of, you know, my home or my room or wherever I was that, you know, where every, where the shit went bad. Yeah. Like I yeah. Be out of that. And, and moving and breathing and, you know, just. Yeah, yeah, I love taking walks. And my, one of my favorite things about walks too, at least in this neighborhood is people watching and just mm-hmm. like uh, seeing people walk by, seeing like a woman with a baby in a stroller and just making up a story about them in my head. And again, yeah. it, it takes you out of yourself, you know? Yeah, and like just that physical movement helps immensely, you know, because like, I, you know, especially since, uh, the pandemic, mm-hmm. you know, and being more sedentary than I've been in a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I need to like kind of get up and move my body. Um, otherwise I just get tired and depressed and things hurt. And, uh, you know, so that's, that's a big part of it too. It's like the easiest exercise is just to like go walk outside around, you know, in the neighborhood or something. Well, um, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast today. Uh, is there any other wisdom that you would like to share with uh, the sunnies out there? If anybody's feeling uh, depressed or anxious or awkward with uh, transitioning back into life? Uh, yeah, I, the only other thing, and so like we're, we're at the very end, like I've, I've dealt with depression and suicidal yeah. thoughts and all of that, you know, at various points in my life. Uh-huh. And really, you know, going back to like how I actually coach people is giving yourself the permission and the space to feel what you're feeling, you know, instead of like resisting the sadness or the grief or, you know, feeling shitty, just like, you know, breathe into it and, you know, let yourself feel what you're feeling. And if you're going to cry or, or get mad and punch a pillow or whatever, like, uh, you know, the more that we allow ourselves and we normalize that stuff, I think the better Mm -hmm. that we are, because we we get into, you know, these traps of resisting that, and then things just get worse, and then we're judging ourselves. So, you know, the more that we can allow ourselves to, to feel what we're feeling and to be how we are, the better. So walk and allow yourself to feel what you're feeling. Yes, yes. Because I think that the more you fight it, the worse it's going to get. So Mm -hmm you might as well just, just, just let it happen. Right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Cool. Well, thank you. Thank you again. And uh, I really appreciate you just being so open and honest with me and uh, just dropping a lot of, a lot of wisdom bombs here. Thank you. (laughs) I hope so. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. No, I, I I think that you, you have a lot to, to share that people can learn about relationships and, 
um, I think that a lot of people find that valuable. So yeah. thank you again. So before we go, I would love to know how our listeners can connect with you, where we can find you on the internet mm-hmm. and where we can find the book. Yeah. So uh, my website is matthewsolomonconsulting.com. Mm-hmm. And I have links to, to everything on there, but uh, Facebook is Coach with Matthew Solomon. Uh, Instagram and Twitter are Maddie the Glue, which is mm-hmm. my nickname from years ago. And then LinkedIn is Coach with Matthew Solomon. Also. Great. We're going to put all those on the website. We have our episode guides. So I'll be sure to include all of awesome. that so everybody can check out your book and yeah. uh, get to know you and connect with you. So if anything resonated with them that they were listening to. Yeah, I'm always happy to have a conversation if anybody wants to reach out. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Thank you, Katie. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Crying Behind Sunglasses. If you want to learn more about Matthew or me or anything we've talked about, you can go to cryingbehindpod.com. That is where we put the episode guides. You can follow me. I'm Katie Dahl at Katie Dahl on all the things. And Matthew Solomon, you can check him out on his website, coachwithmatthewsolomon.com or at Maddie the Glue. I think that he said that during this episode. But you know, listen, people take time out of their day to come talk to me. I'm going to keep plugging them. You get it. So what did we learn today? We learned that there is life beyond divorce and there is a healthy way to figure out how to co-parent. And we learned that the onus should not just be on women to heal this world in the Me Too times. Men, they got to step up to the plate. They have to take responsibility. And I hope they will because we can do all we want to heal from our traumas and everything, but we got to get to the root cause, which is just changing the behavior. But if you're going to change this behavior, you have to lead with education, right? They have to understand how this behavior is affecting other people and how it's affecting them. It's not serving anybody. So a lot of work to be done, and this is certainly a heavy topic, and I am not done covering it by any stretch of the imagination, but I'm glad that we could. Thank you so much to all of you loyal sunnies who have been listening to me for the past year. I really appreciate it. If you liked what you heard, then go ahead and hit that subscribe or follow button. Leave a review. It really helps to spread the word as we continue to destigmatize these conversations about mental health. So until next time, stay cool. Stay present. Stay sunny.